move on over. He's coming through. How, I wonder how many other young people under the age of 18 that want to be preachers? What? All right. I want you to turn your Bibles because I want you to see this. Turn your Bibles to the book of Genesis. You know, Dave's been talking about this. Doug was talking about this. Gee, everyone's been talking about this. They just, here it is. Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. This message is for you, Aaron. Says, this message is titled, What Are You Waiting For? What are you waiting for? Who's waiting for something to happen to them so that then they can be somewhere? I'm waiting for the plane ticket. I'm waiting for God to give me a house so that I can have a house. I'm waiting for uh, Pastor Doug to give me the opportunity to, to speak at a financial seminar. I'm waiting for someone, God, to just supernaturally come through and, and help me change my finances. I'm waiting for that phone call from America so that I can go there and, and be the big man. Am I waiting for this beautiful young lady to come up to me and say, Hey, honey. You see, uh, God doesn't say to wait. He says, what are you doing right now about that? I want you to listen to this. Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. It says this, I will bless you. Pastor Dave just talked about what it is to be blessed, to have God's hand on my life, his, his words in me, his way working through me so that the tangible blessing of God comes around my life. You know, what does that mean? That means that I used to be full of insecurity and fear. Now I'm confident. I used to be so full of poverty. I didn't know how to handle money. Now I know what to do with money, how to give it. You know, you don't have dominion over something until you can give it away. You know, you don't have to be rich to be able to give something away. You don't have to have everything to be able to help somebody. You can help the person next to you. You can help anybody by looking at someone and smiling at them. You've just helped them. Especially if they don't look so good. Don't add to their problem by looking bad at them. It says this, I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. So I will bless you and you will be a blessing. Say that after me. I will bless you and you will be a blessing. I will bless you and you will be a blessing. Are you ready? And it says this, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So what have we got? We've got God speaking. Everyone knows God. God. God speaking. God says, I will bless you. I, will come, I want to come into your life. I want to grab you by the hand like, like Dave, Pastor Dave was talking this morning. I want to lift you up and bring you to a new level. I want to change your life. I want to put in your hand some things that you're going to need. So that you can be a blessing. See, God wants to touch. Just like Aaron's going to be a great preacher. Aaron is a great preacher. You see, God's touched his life, has lifted him up by the hand, has blessed him. And he's, he, who was blessed tonight because of what he spoke? Is that right? So Aaron is living out that word. Genesis 2. God has blessed him. He was being a blessing to us. Who enjoyed the worship tonight? God has blessed them. They were being a blessing to us. Is that good? God has given us so much. He says, it's not just for you. So much because I want you to be a blessing. 
I will bless you and you will be a blessing. And it says, and all the families of the earth will be blessed. All the nations of the earth will be blessed because of you. Because of you. Because of who? Because of you. All the families. See, what is a nation? A nation is just a group of families. If you break a nation down, what is it? It's just a person and another person and another family and another family and another family. And soon you've got a nation. See, I will bless you and all the families of the earth will be blessed. Okay. So why do you think it is that in the heart of every person is the desire for something significant? Who's here tonight and you want your life to count for something great? You just want to, I want my life to, to impact people. I, I, want, I want my life to be something significant. I don't want to just meander through life and, and end up 85 on my deathbed and think, what was it all for? I, wanna, I want my life to better influence people. I want my life to better influence them for good and not for evil. I want my life to so impact people that they are in a better place after every meeting with me. Is that good? We see, why is that? Because God's put that in the heart of each person. I will bless you and you will be blessing. I will bless you and you're blessing. God's put it in the heart of every person for something significant to connect with God and then be a blessing. So do you believe that one person could change the course of history for a nation? One person could change the course of history for a nation. You see, what's a nation? A group of families. How do you change a nation? You start with a family. What's a family? Look around you. How many families represented here tonight? Do you believe that one person could change the course of history for a nation? And who would like to be that one person? Come on, who'd like to be that one person? Come on, who'd like to be that one person? You know, it doesn't take just lots of preachers. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be some big man or big, it's probably not to say a big woman. It's probably not the right thing to say. You don't have to be a great woman to influence people. But God's put it in your heart to influence people. I will bless you, you will be blessing so that all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Who wants to be that person? Are you ready? Have you got your pens ready? So what we're going to do tonight as we're going to learn, uh, listen to a story of a person in the Bible, of what they did, how they changed a nation without even realizing it, and what they did, and then what I can do to change those things, to do the same thing to better impact. Are you ready for this? I want to encourage you as you listen. Don't listen and say, say, Holy Spirit, show me that one thing that I need to work on. Show me the one thing that I need to work on now so that I can be positioned I can be positioned for increase. I can be positioned to about influence people so that I can be positioned to about a change a nation for you. Are you ready? Are you ready? I turn to your neighbor and shake them and say, don't fall asleep. Are you ready? Well, let's turn in your Bible. See, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting? I'm waiting for the big man. I'm waiting for Lucky Wednesday. I'm waiting to, to win a million dollars. I'm waiting. I'm just waiting. Well, I'm not waiting. Are you ready? Let's turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 6. This is a story about a man by the name of Philip. 
This is, must be a message for, for, for Amanda because the, the mean, Philip means lover of horses. For you. Lover of horses? It's got nothing to do with anything. Just smile and nod and say, okay. See, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. Are you hearing that? I will bless you and you will be a? I will bless you and you will be a? You will influence people, help them, connect them to the God, connect them to the provision, the protection, and the power of God, and change the world that we live in. We here we read a story about a man named Philip. You see, in the, in the book of Acts chapter 6, it says this in verse 2. Then the twelve, that's the twelve apostles, summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, You see, if I go back a, a fraction be, before this, what had happened is that the church in Jerusalem had grown so much and what they did is they used to meet the needs of all the, the, the widows and the guardians, the, the people in that land that didn't have enough to look after themselves. The church in that day was like the Salvation Army. They'd go out and they'd distribute food. They'd distribute food. They'd, they'd help you. They'd connect you to God. You see, salvation is not just about being connected to God, but about changing your life. And so what they would do is they'd help people physically, financially, in so many different ways. What happened is that there was a certain part of the church, because they spoke different, they spoke Greek and everyone else spoke Hebrew, they got, they got left out and they got missed out on the food. And so they started to say, hey, what about us? Is that, if you're getting a bit hungry, you say, hey, what about me? Or you'd sit there quietly and say, oh, it's okay, I'm just, I'm just waiting. Well, what do you do? Hungry teenagers, what they do? Exactly. Exactly. So, so what happens, it says this, the, the apostles said, hey, it's not good for us to be able to do all this all the time. So what we're going to do is we need to select some people. And it says this in verse 3. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. The whole, say the whole multitude. The whole, I love that. It said to please the whole multitude, and so that's what they did. And they chose these people. They chose Stephen and Philip. Okay? Philip. So say Philip. So they chose Philip, and they set him in place, and his job was to wait on tables and to distribute food to people. So he was in the hospitality business. Say hospitality business. Okay, are we catching this? Now turn over in your Bibles. You see, so what Philip did is he was responsible for organizing the care and attention of the widows, making sure that they didn't starve, making sure that their needs got met, and he was good at it. It said he had a good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit, and full of wisdom. Then we jump ahead. Okay, we're jumping ahead a little bit, and we see this in the book of Acts, chapter 8, verse 26. And it says this. Now, what happened is persecution came on the church, and the church scattered everywhere. And so Philip ran to a place called Samaria. Okay, so say Samaria. So Philip is in a place called Samaria, and he's preaching away and doing what he's good at, helping people. And it says this, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went. 
And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury. Who would like to be in charge of all the treasury? I'm not really sure. I'm, I'm not good with money. Who would like to be in charge of the whole of a treasury of a country? I would. Anyway, we'll come back to that. You're not sure. Are you not sure what's going on here? I'm not trapping you. This is, this is just what it says in the Bible. He was in charge of the whole treasury of great authority and had come to Jerusalem to worship. He was returning and sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near, overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him in the chariot. And the place in the scripture was reading and so on. What happened is that Philip hopped in the chariot with this man from Ethiopia. He explained the scripture because it was talking about Jesus. And then the, the Ethiopian said, hey, I want to believe. I believe in Jesus that he is the Messiah. Here's some water. I want to get saved now. And then went back to Ethiopia. So I want you to catch this. Here we've got Philip. He's praying one night and an angel appears to him and says, go to the road that goes between Gaza and Jerusalem. Now, what you need to understand is that's about 80 kilometers away. And back then they didn't have cars. So how's he going to get there? He's going to walk for 80 kilometers. Now, does the angel say why to go there? He doesn't. So if that was you, what would you say? I mean, if that was me, I'd say, hang on a moment. How am I going to get there? Uh, how much is it going to cost? How long is it going to take to get there? I need to get a new pair of shoes because that's a long way to walk. Who would like to walk for 80 kilometers? The Tarzan guys in the jungle going to walk to the hot springs. You know the Tarzan guy on the notices? You, you noticed the Tarzan guy? Was that Stuart or was that Brian doing that? It was both of them. So here he's got, he's got, a, he's got a walk for 80 kilometers. He doesn't know why, except he's just being obedient to what the angel told him. I suppose if I saw an angel, I'd be obedient as well. He gets to this place, and it's a deserted place. It's, it's back in Bible time, which is pretty rough. But he's walked there. He's pretty dusty. He's pretty tired by this stage. And he's walking along this road, and he's thinking, well, what do I do now? And he sees this chariot come along. Now, this chariot is not any ordinary chariot. This is a flash chariot because this is from the royalty of the nation of Ethiopia. And the nation of Ethiopia back then was much bigger than it is today, much bigger. And they were very, very wealthy. So here you've got this man in a chariot, and it's a flash chariot. It's like, it's, it's like if you saw a person coming, uh, Helen Clark's bodyguards, there's a chariot in front. There's a chariot behind the other black chariots with the sunglasses. And then you've got this man in the middle. He's got a driver, and there's this guy sitting on the side of the chariot in his seat, and he's reading something. And as Philip's coming along, the Spirit of God says to him, go near, run, and go near that chariot. So Philip does a bit of power walking or a bit of running, and he comes near to the chariot. And does he know what he's going to do? He still doesn't know what to do. So he comes near the chariot, and what does he hear? See, he doesn't run up with his Bible and says, start smacking someone and say, you need to become a Christian. He does this. He listens. Everyone say, listen. Wow. Imagine what it would be like if all the Christians listened. Anyway, he listened. 
he listened and he heard this man reading the book of Isaiah. He recognized, and what did he say? What are you reading? Do you understand what you're reading? Is that hard to question? What's your name? Where are you going? What are you doing? What are you reading? What are you writing? Whose phone number is that? (laughs) You see, he says, what are you reading? And the man says, I'm reading the book of Isaiah. So then what does he say? Do you understand what you're reading? What's he saying? Can I help you? And what does the man say? How could I understand unless someone explains it to me? I will bless you. You will be a blessing. I will bless you. You will be a blessing. You see, you're here tonight because God has connected you to him and to this place. Or you're here tonight because you're searching for something. But God wants to connect you, to bless you, to connect you to him, that you be a blessing. How was Philip a blessing? Helped him understand. As you help people understand, you connect them to God. Let's see what happens. It says this. How can I, how can I understand unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip, he said, come up here and sit with me. And as they began to talk, this man who was seeking God had a revelation of Jesus Christ and changed his life. You see, that man had come seeking and searching for God and hadn't found him in the religious teaching in Jerusalem, but had gone back. God knew exactly where he was, sent somebody to him at the moment in a deserted place. He got totally changed, and then he went back to the land of Ethiopia. You see, the story doesn't end in the Bible. Who knows that? The story doesn't end in the Bible. If you read history, you learn that what happened is that man went back to Ethiopia, and the queen of Ethiopia, because of the testimony of that man, she became a Christian. She gained a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Is that good? Oh, it's okay. Oh, come on, is that good? See, but that's not all. Now, we know the nation of Ethiopia. At the moment, if you go there and you start talking about Jesus, what will happen to you? You probably have body parts taken off, fed to lions, things like that. It's really exciting. But see, back then, the history will tell you in the year 320, this is a couple of hundred years after Philip spoke to one man who spoke to a queen who started to influence that nation. The nation of Ethiopia declared Christianity as the national religion. Is that amazing? Do you believe that one man, one person could change the course of history for a whole nation? One person could change the course of history for a whole nation. Who wants to be the person? Are you ready for this? Are you enjoying this? All right, so let's go back. Let's go back to Acts. Got your pens ready? How to position yourself to influence a nation. How to position myself. See, everything in God has been connected to him. It says, if you draw near to God, he draws near to you. If I position myself, you see, God's got a river flowing of his blessing. He's got a river of of wisdom, a river of life. All I need to do is position myself in it. And if you wonder why things are so dry where you are, maybe you need to move. That's right. If you're wondering why is it I've got so many problems, maybe you need to move. 
maybe you need to get away from where the problems are. If you, you say, all oh, the people around me keep drawing me into problems, well, maybe you need to get away from the people that you're currently with. You say, well, that one person sitting next to me in church, well, sit somewhere different. You guys are quiet tonight. Are you doing all right? Are you doing all right? Okay, so how to position yourself to influence a nation. Number one, in Acts chapter 6, verse 3, it says, Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation. Number one, be of good reputation. Number one, be of good reputation. What does it mean to be of good reputation? They were looking for some people. The apostles were looking for some people to look after all the widows, to better distribute some food. Now, what does that person have to be of good reputation? Why? Because they didn't want that person stealing the food for themselves. They didn't want that person to, to take off and start up their own organization and, and become wealthy because they took the bread for themselves and start selling it. What does it mean to be of good reputation and how do I build a good reputation? You see, a good reputation means to have a good witness or a testimony. So, what do people in your school say about you? What is your reputation in your school like? If I asked your teachers, what would they say your reputation is like? Oh, this one is, is one who distracts other students. Or this one's a diligent worker, struggles a bit but works really hard. What's, what, what is your reputation like in your workplace? Are you one that turns up on time or are you one that, that just wanders on and thinks, oh yeah, it's like whatever. What's your reputation like in, in, in with, the, with the youth group? What, what's it like? Are you one that's there ready on time or you kind of just wander in, wander out, just do what I, what I want when I want? What are you like when someone speaks into your life? What's your reputation like? Is everyone afraid of speaking into your life because they know you're going to go? What's your reputation like? It says they were of good reputation. See, what about this? What do your neighbors say about you? If we talk to your neighbors, what would they say? They say they're the, they're the loudest house in the street, always praying. What would they say? They, they always play that loud music until late at night. They've, or. Those, they, they, that neighbors, they're the greatest people that I've ever had. They, uh, they come, when, when they get given venison, they give me some. When, they, when I'm going away, they look after my house. It's like they're always friendly to me. They're always bringing my rubbish bin if I leave it out on the street. What would your neighbors say about you? What is your reputation? What does your family say about you? I know at church, dads are really kind of upright sort of a guy and and praises and does the thing but at home man he's so cranky or my kids you know they come to come to church and they're great but look at at home you should see a bedroom what's your reputation like in your family what are you like with your brothers and sisters it's like i love god but i hate my sister i love god but why didn't he give me some decent parents you know what is your reputation like at home are you hearing this? How to position yourself to influence nation starts off with building a good reputation. What are you like with people? What are you like with the authorities? Those cars with the flashing blue lights? It's, it wasn't my fault, officer. It wasn't my fault. I had to pass this slow car. 
It wasn't my fault. They shouldn't have had that 70 kilometer an hour sign there. What's your reputation like? Have you got a, a string of ticket offenses or a string? What's your reputation like? What's your reputation like with the IRD? My business just manages our tax so that we can get away with as much as possible. Or are you, what do you see? What, do you, what about this? What do you like? What's your reputation like as a payer of your accounts? Do you pay on time or do you wait for the absolute last minute? That's, that, I know he's a Christian, but man, is he stingy. And he's, I always have to follow him up for, for paying his bills. What's your reputation like? Have you got a good reputation or a bad reputation? Do you want to influence people? Good reputation, bad reputation. I will bless you and you'll be a blessing. Number two, it says this. Firstly, that they were of good reputation. Secondly, they were full of the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit. You know what I want to be? I want to be full of the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to be full of the Holy Spirit? It means this, to have an overflow. I want you to imagine for a moment, if I've got a, a big, big jug of, uh, this is a big glass jug here. Okay, I want you to tell me when this, can you, everyone see this? It's like, this is good, you can visualize it. It's got good curves down here. It's, it goes round, so big, big jug. And what I do is I bring, I bring my jug of water and I start to fill up this, okay? Now, the, the, here's the top of it here. The water level's here, is it full? Okay, this is good, this is really good. Okay, so I pour in some more and it gets up to here, is it full? Okay, so I pour in some more. And it gets up to here. Is it full? How do you know when something's full? You don't know something's full until it flows over. Are you catching this? You see, I'm not full of the Holy Spirit until there's an overflow. Pastor Dave spoke this morning, and he, and he talked about a lame man stuck, always dependent on the overflow of others. Are you dependent on the overflow of others? Or have you got an overflow within you, and then you can contribute? I've blessed you to be a blessing. Or do you just hold it all in and say, it's all for me. And I've only just got enough for me. I can't barely have enough to give anything else. You see, to be full of the Holy Spirit means to have an overflow of life. To be full of the Holy Spirit, have his life flowing out of me. If, if I'm full of the Holy Spirit, you should better see it in my eyes. You should better see it in the way that I present myself. I might not be the tidiest person, but you see there'll be something that's about me that's full of life and enthusiasm. Because why? Because there's an overflow of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is life. So if I've got the Holy Spirit overflowing in me, then I'm full of life. So how do you get full of the Holy Spirit? It's quite simple. If I've got this big jar here that we just talked about, if I want to fill that overflowing, the first thing I've got to get to is get, get rid of the things in that jar that are actually a blockage or the things that, that are filling that up with, with just clutter. I've got to take those out. So what is it that, that's in your life that doesn't coexist with the Holy Spirit? I've got to get those things out. If that's bad attitudes, that bad habit, just get them out. Just don't muck around with it. Just, just get them out of your life. If you say, oh, I don't know how to do that. Well, that's, that's what you're in a cell group or a church for. You sit down, you go to a cell group, you say, hey, how do I get these things out of my life? If you're struggling with money, go to a finance course. If you're struggling with uh, emotional things, go on a court. This is a great church and what it provides for you to become free and get things out of your life. Is that good? 
So number one, I've got to get the things out of my life that don't coexist with the Holy Spirit. Number two, the Bible says, ask and you will receive. See, it's not hard. All I need to do is ask. Holy Spirit, I want you to fill me to overflowing. I pray and ask right now that you will flood me with such an overflow of your life. I spend time at home and I say, I'm here. I yield to you, Holy Spirit. Flood me with your life so that there is not one pore of my body that's not drenched with you. And I step right into him and begin to overflow. And number three, a regular life connection. You see, it's not just about as, as, as Pastor pastor preacher Aaron was talking. It's about a heart connection. So every day I'm intimately connected with the Holy Spirit. I come to you. I thank you that you exist. You coexist in me, that I'm in you and that you're in me. I pray that you would just take over more, flood me, cause there to be such a river uninhibited flowing through me that all around me would not help but be contagious with the, the rage of the torrent of God through me. Is that good? So the person sitting next to you can't help but it's like, what is it about that person? There's something that's full of life about them. Number three, it says this. Number one was to be good of your reputation. Two, full of the Holy Spirit. And three, full of wisdom. Who wants wisdom? You see, wisdom means to think, speak, or act wisely. It's like when you get into a situation, sometimes who's ever been in a situation and not known what to do? I've been in heaps of situations. See, wisdom knows what to do. Wisdom is having the ability to, to it's like you've got, here you've got Philip. See, why does Philip need wisdom? Because he's going to deal with women fighting over food for their families. Now, if you get, have you ever seen those, the picture on TV of, of Ethiopia or some, it's like a, a, a a, a camp where there's lots of people and uh, there's people dying and they, they're hungry. What do they do? They, when someone starts to deliver food, there's an absolute stampede. So they need wisdom on how to, how to sit, sort this out, wisdom on how to set some things in order. See, we need wisdom on how to about go out our lives. It's like as young people, I need wisdom so I don't make stupid mistakes. Who, who wants wisdom? So it's like, oh, I did that again. Oh, it's like I need wisdom to know what to do in this situation. I've got these people saying these things about me at school. I, I don't know. I just feel like I'm just going to hit somebody. I need wisdom to what to do. That's wisdom. See, it means to think, to speak, to act wisely. How do you get wisdom? Well, first of all, the Bible says that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. So how do I get wisdom? First, I've got to connect with God. It says the foolishness of God is wiser than man. Who wants some of God? If, if even when if God, the absolute stupidity of God is smarter than the best wisdom of man, I want to get near God. So how do I get full of wisdom? First, I've got to seek God because he's the author of wisdom. Christ is the source of wisdom, Colossians 2, 3. I've got to ask for it. That's number two. And James 1, 5, cry out for it, Proverbs 2. I've got to read the Bible because it's full of wisdom. That's how I get wisdom about my life. And then I've got to walk with the wise. It says that he walks with the wise becomes wise, but a companion of fools comes to ruin. So who are you hanging around? You want wisdom? Get with wise people. You want wisdom? How about this one? Here's an amazing one for the night. If you, if you want wisdom, are you ready for this? Listen to your parents. Is that right, parents? 
See, parents, that, parents are old for a reason. Because they've learned some things. Is that right, parents? Except for Sue. Except for Sue. See, they've got wisdom. They've made more mistakes than you would realize, and they've learned from them. So they're put in your life to help teach you wisdom. Isn't that right, Mel? So, so what was number one? Be of good reputation. Number two, be full of the Holy Spirit. Number three, be full of wisdom. Number four, we see what happened with Philip's life. See, what was Philip called to do? Become a great preacher. Preach around the world. No. See, what Philip was called to do was to wait on tables. Number four is to be faithful serving. Philip served tables and was responsible for dis- distribution. I mean, that's not a particularly exciting job, is it? To be responsible for the person that, that hands out the notice packs in church on Sunday mornings. It's like, well, that's not particularly exciting. Can I, have the, can I have the job of someone else? Or it's like, can I have some big, great job where at least I get to look good and, and do this or do that? See, what do you like serving? Be faithful serving. You see, Philip influenced a person that changed a nation, but what did he start as? He started off as a deacon, someone that just looked after the needs of people. Are you hearing this? Be of good reputation. Be faithful serving. So what's your attitude towards serving? What do you like when someone asks you to clean up your bedroom? What do you like doing the dishes? What do you like around the school when you just finished your, your bottle of Coke? Do you think, oh, flag it, I'm just going to drop it on this bench? Or do I put it in the rubbish bin and pick someone else's rubbish up as well? What do you like serving? Are you the best servant around or are you the worst servant around? Someone asks you to do, a people know that they can ask you because you're so great a great attitude to better help people, to better, how can I help you? How can I serve you? How can I cause you to succeed? Or are you the last person they're going to ask because they know it's always too difficult asking you? What are you like serving? Are you faithful? Do you continue with the job until it's done? Or do you just start it and then you've got lots and lots of little jobs that are incomplete? Are you hearing this tonight? See, what are you like serving? Are you selective in serving? I will, I, will, uh, I will mow the lawns, but I won't do the dishes. I will vacuum clean, but I won't tidy my room. Are you selective, depending on whether people will notice? I'll, uh, I'll do an offering message, but I don't want to clean the church toilets. Because the offering message is far more important, and people will notice that. So are you selective in your serving? Or have you got an attitude and a heart just to serve? Are you faithful serving? Number five, be available. You see, Philip, how far did he travel? He was in one place. The angel told him, go 80 kilometers. I mean, how many of us would be like that and say, okay, how many of us would be fit enough to handle an 80-kilometer walk to a desert? It's like, well, hang on, you've got to give me six months so that I can get a bit of training here, so that I can get my water reserves. I mean, I've got to save up to buy myself some of that 
I mean, a camelback. I've got to save up to better buy some decent walking shoes. I mean, what do you expect, God? I mean, how can you ask me to do something like that? I'm just not available. Come back to me in six months' time. Would the man have been there in six months' time? Are you available for God to use, or are you unavailable by your choices? You see, are you available with your finances? Maybe Philip said, I'm, I'm sorry, angel. I can't afford the time off work to walk down to that place because I've got so much debt for my hire purchase of that television from the PlayStation, from the cell phone. My monthly text bill is like $25. How could I afford to, to go all the way around down to there? I mean, how am I going to get there? I haven't even got the money for a taxi. Well, walk. You can't expect me to walk. Do these look like walking legs? See, are you available for God to use? Or have you made him yourself unavailable by your choices? You say, you see, God says, I want you to give something. Or say, well, I want you to go on a mission trip. Are you available to go on a mission trip? Well, I can't go on a mission trip because I've got no money. Are you available? I'm not, you're not, you just said you're not available. Are you available? I say, well, I, well, I'm not because I've got so much debt. Well, I think Pastor Doug talked about a finance course you could go on and become available for God. See, do you believe that one person could change the course of history for a nation? Do you believe that one person could change the course of history for a nation? Do you believe that one person... You see, Philip made some choices. Those choices positioned him to influence people. We've got those same choices today, and yet most of us just still sit here waiting. You see, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Position yourself for God to use. Are you so bound up in the past? I'm unavailable for God to use in the future because I'm so full of bitterness of, of the things that happened to me. Let it go, man. Come to church. Get cleaned out because God wants to change and use you in the future. Are you so bound up with fear that God can't use you. Well, there's some people here that can help you with those things. Find them and get freed up. Are you so bound up in your time with my job, with I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm so busy with my sport, I'm so busy with my girlfriend, I'm so busy with this, that I'm unavailable for God? Or do you set aside time each day? God, I'll make myself available for you to use. What's stopping you from being available? Or what do you need to do to position yourself to be available? Are you hearing this tonight? You see, God has blessed you to be a blessing. I want to be available to be a blessing. And number six, the last one, it says this. You see, Philip went down the road. He obeyed. He continued to listen to the Holy Spirit. Not just once, but he continued to listen. And it says this in Acts chapter 8, that he came across a man and this man was a man from Ethiopia. Now, tell me, what color are the people from Ethiopia? Black. Okay. What color is an Israelite? Kind of a whitey, sort of, a, quite a bit of sun. Okay, so he's a black, he's black. He's a black man. So black, he's a man. Some people have got an issue with black. Some people have got an issue with a man. Well, how about this? It says he was a eunuch. So he's got sexual issues. 
Are you hearing me? Has this man got sexual issues? I know that I would have sexual issues if I was a eunuch. You're not sure about that. I would have sexual issues if I was a eunuch. Not only that, but because the be a eunuch means they crushed your testicles, boys. Crushed your testicles. You see, so if something does that to you, what are you going to speak like? Can anyone give me a demonstration of what you speak like? They wouldn't speak in a deep manly voice like this, would they, Steve? You see, so here you've got a, he, you've got a black man. He's a, he's a man. He's from Ethiopia. He's, he's got sexual issues. He speaks in a funny voice. It's kind of high-pitched. He's probably a biggish sort of a man. It says this, he had great authority. So he was a powerful man. He had great influence. He says this, he was over the treasury. So he was a rich, powerful black man who had sexual issues and spoke funny. Now, have you got some reasons not to talk to this person? I know, as I was, I was just going over this message this week, God started to stir in me. It's like, oh man, there's some things in me that I've got to ask God to forgive me. I've got some prejudice. See, number six, you've got to be friendly without prejudice. You've got to be friendly without prejudice. If you want to help people, it's not doing some spiritual way out there thing, but you just need to be friendly without prejudice. What does it mean to be friendly without prejudice? To be prejudiced means prejudge this. Prejudice. So pre means before. Judge means to make a decision about something or somebody. And this is negative. So it means this, to make a negative decision about someone before I've met them. So before I even, I see this chariot, and it's a really, really rich chariot. So I'm, I'm sorry, God, I'm not going to talk to them. How many of that's us? Someone incredibly wealthy, I don't want to talk to them. Then I see, it's a black man. Well, some, some people will have an issue with that. I'm not going to talk to them. Then they, they realize the person opens their mouth and talks. It's like, is that a man or a woman? I'm not really sure. I've got an issue talking to that person. Are you hearing me? Prejudice. Rich. Powerful. Are you hearing this? See, what we need to be is be friendly without prejudice. Friendly without prejudice. Are you hearing this? It says this, that Philip ran up to him, listened and asked questions, and he was friendly to a stranger. I wonder as you've been listening tonight, you see, this is just simple. What is it that you need to work on? What is it the Holy Spirit speaking to you tonight and saying, I want you to work on this thing. I want you to work on, maybe he's having a good reputation. Maybe you realize my reputation is terrible in my family. I'm the last one to be at meal table. I'm the last one to tidy up my room. I'm the one that's always complaining. Maybe it's in your school. I've got a bad reputation in my school of what I say, of what I speak. Maybe it's a bad reputation with your teachers in terms of how you respond. Maybe for you, it's, you say, one thing I need to do is to get full of the Holy Spirit. I know that, that at the moment, I need to, to be filled again. You see, the disciples weren't just filled once. They were filled more than once with the Holy Spirit. Every day, I need to be filled of the Holy Spirit. I need to connect vitally to Him. Maybe, you know, for you, the one thing is to be full of wisdom. I need a purpose in my heart to build wisdom into my life. 
I need to get around some wise people. I need to come and talk to, to Pastor Doug, to Pastor Dave and say, help, help me grow in wisdom. Help me because I'm making some silly decisions. Help me with these things. I need to go on some courses so I can grow in wisdom. Maybe for you it's to be faithful serving. I've, I've realized that as, as I'm listening that, I, that my serving is, is, is terrible. My serving is the last thing that I'm the last one that, that someone would ask to do something because I'm terrible at it. Maybe God's speaking to you not tonight and saying, hey, I want you to sharpen up your serving. Don't be selective in serving, but have a good attitude about it. Have a great attitude. Be the best serving person around. Let it be known about you that your reputation is someone who's great in serving. Maybe for you it's being available. I'm, so, I'm, a, I'm rendered useless to God because I'm so bound up in my finances. Well, there's a finance course coming up on Friday night. Be there. Be available. What is it about you that causes you to become unavailable for God? Or maybe for you tonight, it's about being friendly without a prejudice. And as I was speaking, and you hear that, a rich black man, he speaks funny. He's got sexual issues. You look at that person and you think, there's no way I'm going to talk to them. And yet that person changed the course of history for a nation. Just wonder as the team come up. God's speaking to us tonight. Maybe it is for you here tonight that you realize that in you, there's prejudice. There's prejudgments about people that you know, in order to influence people, I can't carry those things anymore. Maybe it's because some things have happened in the past. Tonight's the night to say, God, I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to forgive me for those prejudices, for the wrong opinions and judgments of people where I've held them in low esteem because of the way they look, because of the way they dress, because of the way they speak, because of their sexual orientation, because of their character, because of the color of their skin. But maybe even more importantly, you're here tonight and you're like that man from Ethiopia. You see, that man was going to Jerusalem because he was seeking God. He was seeking God. You know, inside of each one of us, there's a heart that seeks to know God. That there's something bigger than what I see around me and I want to know it. I want to know God. You see, he'd gone to Jerusalem and he was returning to his country because he had not found what he was looking for. He didn't understand what he was reading. Maybe you're here tonight and you're just like that. As you're looking for something, you're looking for answers and you haven't found it. I want to tell you the answer, just like Philip brought the answer, the answer is Jesus Christ. He can come into your life and connect you to God. Change your life. Transition you to be positioned to be someone that will influence. Someone that would influence.